In parkour, it doesn't escape that. There is the same thing. We work at the, what we call the footwork. So because there is a touch, so the precision and the footwork is very important in parkour. Beginners, no footwork, no touch. You can see straight away the way they land. Few kids who came with a, already a good touch, it's again, it's, it's gifted, it's coordination, get from whatever, but they still have to practice. Well, hello to you all and welcome to the Supporting Champions podcast with me, Steve Ingham. Now, the Supporting Champions podcast is all about exploring the dynamics of high performance with people who have been there and done it, people who have supported others to succeed or have explored those performance concepts in real depth. Now, in this week's episode, I speak to a true innovator, pioneer and actual, I would say, a superstar of human movement, Sebastian Foucault. Sebastian was one of the founding developers of the discipline of parkour, and later Sebastian stretched his practice to develop free running, a creative, acrobatic, exploratory, jumping, vaulting, rolling, climbing, and interacting with obstacles and the environment. Sebastian was also a Bond baddie, delivering his art form on the big screen in a breathtaking chase sequence with Daniel Craig at the start of Casino Royale. Sebastian's also starred in a Madonna video and has toured with her. In this interview, we discuss Sebastian's early athleticism, the origins of parkour and the split with free running, the assessment of risk against the knowledge of his own physical abilities, some of the founding philosophies of where he's taking physical movement and the demands of getting it right on stage and screen. And we also find out who is the harder taskmaster, Madonna or Bond. Now, I've been in awe of Sebastian for many years, and this was a compelling, deep, yet actually really fun conversation to have. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Sebastian Falcon. I'm so delighted to have you on. Um, so very warm welcome. The Bond villain, performer for Madonna, creator of parkour and free running. So I, I'm just going to ask you just to start off with, how are you? How are you under these strange times? I'm okay, to be honest. Yeah, uh, uh, it's all about uh, adaptation. So uh, yeah, so far so good. And and how have you been coping? You've you've got a business, but I, I presume you've been able to to get outside and still do your do your exercise and and train. Uh, business wise, uh, as you can imagine, everything stopped. So. Uh, um, how do I cope with it? There is nothing else you can do. I think the 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 good thing is everyone was on the same had the same problem. It's not only yourself. So it's like uh, you've got a sense of a community <laughs> in this problem. So uh, yeah, personally speaking, I always been kind of a, a lone wolf. So for me, it's like uh, being by myself. I always been a little bit by myself. No, it's just like uh, you've got a, you've got your friend. I've got my girlfriend, everything. But in 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 general, I've never been like uh, literally with a lot of people. And I'm a early wake up person. So uh, even when everything shut down for me, I can go early morning while everyone's sleeping still, and I'm still doing what I have to do. So um, it didn't change that much, to be honest. Except for getting the food and everything. That's where you need to adapt yourself. But except that, yeah. No, no, not a big deal. Okay, so lone wolf, uh, early morning or early riser. I'm getting a hint as to your your nature and and your background. But could you just give us a bit of a an insight as to your background? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a town called Lys in the suburb of uh, of Paris in France, and um, I started uh, in the late 80s with my friend uh, David, David Bell, who is the, known as the founder of Parkour. And then we start with other guys, we start to, to uh, develop what it, what it is known now as Parkour Freeing or Audio Déplacement. And, um, and that's how I started it. We're just playing around. And uh, I think following our passion, we come up with something quite, uh, quite good. And that's how it started. Now, for the from personal point of view, uh, I started to my own journey when I wanted to teach 
kind of a certain philosophy because I'm an artist also, you know, I draw and I paint and I always have a different sensitivity regarding what I was doing. And I always felt like there is a, there is a certain uh, uh, philosophy into it uh, because so I like martial art and everything. So I always wanted to, to do something quite similar with what I'm doing and I wanted to teach. And um, that separated me quite early stage with the, my friends. And uh, I had a kind of, um, we call it an association, association, an association in uh, French. So where I was just like gathering everyone and we were just teaching and practice together. Uh, my drive to do like philosophy, uh, like to explain the philosophy behind the parkour and stuff like that, I think leads me to being approached by uh, uh, Channel 4 to do a documentary called Jump London, where we did mm. what we do, but with the, with the sense of, uh, like, as I say, with the idea of the philosophy and our relationship with the environment. And this also for me after is, I think it's almost like uh, the ball rolling. It's like uh, being uh, um, seen for James Bond, cast for James Bond, and then after with Madonna, working with Madonna, and so on and so on. So basically I touched the, the whole entertaining world and I literally, we literally turned the world upside down with this uh, fashion phenomenon called parkour. All oh, right, you've taken me all the way through to almost like today. There, yeah. um, can I can I can I go back then? Yeah. What, what what was what was going on in your childhood? Did you did you play sport? Did you did you do martial arts? Uh, or, or how did you lead you to thinking? Let's just try this stuff. Let's try this different form of of movement and expression. Yeah. So my uh, my journey with uh, my uh, physical expression it's a long journey because now especially now now because i'm creating my own method the fukan method uh i can explain also later what is it about hmm. but um for me it all started by having a uh, my dad want us to be involved in sport quite early especially in football oh he want me to be uh, like a professional football player same with my brother which we never did <laughs> we weren't i wasn't that bad we were quite good in football but it's, uh, it's a career we never pursue. pursue. And uh, then after I did a little bit of gymnastic, I did, uh, and then a lot of uh, athletics because also my, my older brother did athletics. He did the Olympic, okay? He was a champion of France for, for several years for 200 meters and 400 meters. So his name is Mark, M-A-R-C. And uh, yeah, you can maybe Google, you will find a little bit of record on him. And so I've always been around the, the, the physical aspect in the sport environment until I met also my friend David, uh, David Bell, who uh, followed his, his dad because his dad was a military service and he uh, in, a, in a, a firefighter uh, and uh, he did kind of a, a, a kind of a, he had a kind of a little bit of a legend somewhere there. So he was kind of like an athlete. So all my surrounding was about uh, practicing physical exercise. And this idea of uh, of uh, um, reaching a high level It's literally for me that my whole story is about training to transform yourself to get better. That's that's a that's a whole story. So my, all my youth with my friend, it was spending our time to train. And as you can imagine, uh, I'm for 1974. I was born in 1974, and in my era in 1980s, it was like Rocky. Bruce Lee, uh, you know, like all this era, like it's a particular era which is all about <laughs> like, you know, like the journey, the hero journey and the training, training, training. Okay. So we're the same age. So I've just, I've just turned 46 as well. So I'm not going to be in as, as good a physical shape as, as you are. Can you remember the day where you thought, right, we, we are creating something different. Uh, what happened when you were working with your your friend David, can you remember? Okay, this is we're really now trying something that perhaps nobody is doing, maybe in the world. Uh, wow, it's it's interesting because when you come up with something like that, it's it's really bizarre because it's we never say okay we're going to create something, but there were I re, I can recall a moment of time where we were doing what we call a nuit blanche. You know, it's like when the, you're outside and you you don't go to sleep. You just walk down the street and then just talk, dream, dream out loud, you know? 
And uh, it was the lake. I was with uh, David and we were talking about it. One day, I remember we say, one day, like everyone, like we've been sitting in, um, like, you know, like uh, in front of a TV reporter, like uh, we'll have an interview and we'll talk about what we've been created and how, like, uh, we come up with something amazing, like something like that. We were already in our imagination thinking like we achieve, we, we will achieve something amazing. And, uh, but it was really, really early stage. And it's just like we were recording stuff like that. And um, I think for me, I would say the first time we re realized we had something, because we had something, but we didn't realize it. The first time we realized it is when we did, uh, we are a group called Yamakasi, very famous in France with the movie Yamakasi. Yeah. I think this group is the first ever group who does, who does this, the first group ever. And the belief as a group they have uh, makes us believe that we have something special. Even even though we were doing this before, this was, for me, I, I think when I recall, so yeah, that was, that was where I, we knew uh, from a, a TV point of view and stuff like that, we had something. But before that, it was just local. We just like, Mah. And I, I can remember the moment where I first encountered it and the, the program that we used to have, I think it was, in, it was around the world, Transworld Sport. Transworld Sport, uh, yeah. Yeah, and we, we used to watch it early in the morning and I think my, my daughter was, was zero years old and we'd be up early, we'd have a cup of tea and we'd turn Transworld Sport on. And it was the way that we used to start a Saturday morning and there you guys were mm. uh, creating this and we we're like that that is amazing and and incredible but also so accessible mm -hmm. uh, there's no sense of I'm gonna have to buy a bike or a yacht um, I can just use the local surroundings and explore it and try yeah yeah my life is a succession of events but I think it's everything start with a decision you make in your life and um, Early in France, when we did the we did the group called Yamakasi, then we split quite early because that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach and I wanted to have a, a place when I can convey my message. And I didn't like early stage. They tried. They already start to portray kind of a cliche of what we're doing. You know, uh, the youth from the banlieue who is instead of burning car, they're jumping from roof and kind of stuff like that. And for me, no. What I was doing it was deeper. So uh, when I did. At this point, I say, okay, now I'm doing only documentary. I'm not doing any just uh, interview someone's coming, just film us and do whatever you wanted to do and just uh, like editing and just do this stuff. And then at this time, that's where we are, Transfer Sport, the first documentary where we can, we, we have a talk and we can explain. And then after Transfer Sport, Optoman and uh, Channels 4 uh, wanted to do uh, Jump London and then Jump London, Jump Britain, Jump Britain. Uh, working with Madonna on the first uh, video clip, Hung Up, then James Bond, and then going on tour with Madonna, and then so on and so on. And also, also we've been sponsored by a big brand like Nike. So all this stuff goes like, pa -pa 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 -pam, like, uh, like succession, yeah. And so can you just tell me about the split? I mean, I don't know the relationship or whether that's something I can ask you about, but, but it sounds like it's a fundamental approach to... Uh, to a completely different way of doing, but also being? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were quite young. So I think for me, it was like we were like between 17, 18. You still, you still try to figure out what you want to do in your life. You know, even though when you're 30, you still try to figure out like, what, is my, what is my goal in life. But we were quite young and we, we were full of hope. I knew the guy, the Yamakasi, they wanted to, they take the opportunity they have. So they work with us, uh, uh, first of all, it was uh, Notre Dame de Paris. I don't know if you heard about this, uh, with Luc Plamondon, who's quite quite uh, famous in France. So it was a, a musical show, and mm. uh, and Luc Besson and Luc Plamondon was quite. I don't know if they were friends, but they knew each other. That's how Luc Besson saw the guy. Me, I just did the kind of like the casting with them, but I said, you know what, that's not my path. I felt deep inside that's not what I wanted to do. So they did from uh, uh, this show to, to do the movie Yamakasi. That's why I'm not in the movie. And uh, me, I wanted to teach. I wanted to have my diploma and stuff like that. But it's also because I've been conditioned like that. My, my parents always uh, uh, taught me that you need to have a diploma and have a secure job. 
So it always been something in my head. It has to be secured. So uh, I think that's, that's where the split came for me. David wanted to be in a movie. That was his first thing. So he didn't want, and also he had uh, his talent by himself. So I think he wanted already to go in solo. So that's where we split, basically. Different, different. One group, the, the guy wanted to stay together as a group. David had the potential by himself. And me, I wanted to teach. So that's how it split, basically. What's the difference between the two, parkour and freerunning? Um, the difference between parkour and freerunning, early stage, because it's, it's very uh, complicated, but quite easy to explain at the same time. It's uh, parkour, the French word, parkour is like an obstacle course. It's like a circuit. With a, so it's P-A-R-C-O-U-R-S. That's uh, from the origin, from the parkour du combattant, uh, and uh, from military service and uh, the natural method of George Ebert. That's where the word parkour comes from. It's a French word. It's like if you go skiing, you've got a, a track, you call it a parkour. C'est un parkour. So, uh, but David from, he always say he wants legacy from his father. And I respected that. So for me, I say, you know what? It's not that important, the name, it's the content. And uh, there is this thing in the book of uh, Bruce Lee Tao Jit Kundo when he say a name is just a name. And I remember that. So when someone suggested uh, the name Freerunning, I said, okay, let's do it. Let's do with it. So in Jump London, that's why if you see the documentary Jump London, I used parkour and I used the word also Freerunning because it was at this period of time when I start to switch from one to another. So I still have the nostalgia with parkour, but I say, you know what? I need to do my own thing. Take what is useful, reject what is useless, like say Bruce Lee, and created my own. Even I was quite young, so I didn't know what I was doing. But I say, okay, I'm going to call it free running. And uh, for me, uh, at this time, parkour was very, it was just efficiency going from point A to point B and nothing else. Which for me, from an artistic point of view, say, you know what, it doesn't matter. As far as it's your own expression, you know, you can you can use uh everything you you know from your background and you incorporate in your expression and as you can see for me my background is is athletics athletics you know i always do athletics even like in james bond you can see the skill is running it's not doing flips and tricks and it, it will not fit with the character but however i'm a good runner without being too much i can run so that's my incorporation uh, incorporation in my practice if you see now the kids are doing a lot of flips and tricks, my way of expressing myself is linked with my my background, which is uh, even like football is running, athletics is running. Even I did a little bit of gymnastic, but this is not what transpired for my expression. So uh, the the major difference was the freedom of expression for free running. That was the idea, and uh, and parkour was just pure efficiency. But now. You can see people who does pure efficiency, they call what they do parkour, uh, free running. And people who does flips and tricks, and they call it parkour. So it's completely merged into something. And then it's just like, meh, you don't, you don't really know. And to be honest with you, I just don't really care much now. <laughs> okay. So, but, but in, so can I just try and re-explain that back and see if I've got, I've got this. But you, in some ways, a bit like your brother, 200 meters, there's... That's that's the challenge. You've got to run as quickly as you can around that course, yeah. and that that seems to me a little bit closer to parkour. Of of this is this is the start and finish. Yeah, you've got a completion aspect yeah. to it, whereas free running is is much more open. And you've mentioned uh, Bruce Lee and martial arts a couple of times there, and Jeet Kune Do, and I can't, I don't remember the book as closely perhaps as it's influenced you, but my memory of it was more about formless, non-classical, uh, a sense of freedom. What was there? There was a phrase, something like fighting without fighting and these sorts of concepts where it's almost contradictory. Yeah. That's the whole idea. It's about adaptation. And that's more of your, um, driving philosophy, but the way in which free running is performed. Yeah. It changed now because in in the world of parkour, in any I think any discipline, those who, who pave the way are the youth, and that they they're the one who just keep pushing and pushing pushing the, the boundaries. But uh, sometimes, like for example, in martial art, you still have the the connection 
done with the elderly and the masters or like i don't i don't want to portray myself as a master but you've got the link with the roots which in parkour they don't have the link with the roots if you look at the the youth they they barely they, they, some a lot they have respect for for us but there is no real connection like a, like a real legacy and real connection so there is a lost there it's just like uh, they just do what they feel they wanted to do I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying. So it seems like there's a deeper spiritual aspect to, to me, free running. To me, oh, to me, I'm not even calling free running now. Is there is a deeper, uh, deeper aspect for myself? That's why also I created my method because now for me it's time to have less confusion and say, and when I say something, this is my method. This is what I do. If someone asks me where did I took this influence from, I can absolutely explain. It's really clear. There is no confusion. There is no, oh, this guy is doing this and that guy is doing this. It's, this is what it is. And it's based on my uh, knowledge on uh, elite sport, uh, sport uh, based on my experience being on tour at the top level and being injured and stuff like that. Uh, being a, I was a firefighter also, so I work on a... On, on a at a place where response, responsibility is needed, okay, because you have to to help the people and you, you're not here to show off, you're here to, to to serve and everything. So all this stuff influenced me. As you can see, it's a, it's, it's the essence of, of uh, what I try to do with free running. But I am I am this the result of all this, and that's why my method is important. Because for me, we must be connected with the environment. We must understand also uh, our body cells have got a clock, you know, like uh, we need to follow the, the, the season. And that's in traditional sport, they don't do that. They, don't, they follow the season, they follow the calendar of the, of the competition. And, uh, and for me, this is not what I do. You know what I mean? I, 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 I observe, I watch, I make my conclusions, say, I want that for me. If you look at parkour, they don't do that. They jump from January to December. Of course, sometimes they're tired, they stop everything, but they don't really observe. Uh, uh, they don't follow kind of this kind of uh, stuff which I've got in my method. So it, would it be right in saying that you could almost put parkour in the Olympics, but you couldn't put your method in there because it's almost you can't pin it down to laws and principles. There is law and principle, but the law and principle are the law of nature. It's like uh, if you go high, what go high goes low and everything. But for me, I know like you cannot jump like for uh, like like forever. You need you need give your body time to rest. It's it's uh, that's the secret of longevity. People say, oh, my God, this guy, 46, is still running, jumping and everything. The reason why is because very early I decide to listen to my body and to not push the envelope and to not push because I did it when I was on tour. You know, I was six months on tour with Madonna, and when I finished, I was completely broken. I had, I had, I had my back, my knees, my Achilles tendon. It took me, I don't know, almost a year to recover from that. So everyone say, "Oh, that's amazing! You did James Bond and everything." But what the cost after that? So I'm quite lucky. So I, I, I uh, came back from it. But could you imagine some people who make a career as a top athlete where they have to perform and everything? He, he finished completely destroyed. So it's it's uh, it's climbing the ladder. They reach another a good level for for wealth and everything. However, body wise, uh, not all of them like uh, it, there is a cost. There is a cost for that. Okay, so I'm hearing there very specifically that to do what you do and con- and to sustain it, to continue to do that, I'll put my science hat back on and think about the stress adaptation response. And so that you are starting to work more sophisticatedly through seasons as as phases to let your body have extensive yep. recovery and then for you to, to push it hard. But going on tour with Madonna, six months on stage, and I would imagine that you've got to be absolutely on point and to the standard meant that 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 intense focus and delivery of that meant that you had to have almost the equal and opposite phase of recovery to allow your body to, to repair. Absolutely. Well, we're not, like I said, we're like, sometimes it looks like superhero what we're doing, but nature is nature and nobody escaped nature. For me, it's like, 
the body has the way of uh, functioning and we must listen to that. We can, we can always be cocky and everything, especially when we're young, but sooner or later you will be, you will pay the price for whatever you do. It's like uh, the ripple effect. I know it's like uh, you, you're going to pay the price. And that's why for me, there is so many things in like in my method. It's also like when you do sport, there is level also. There is a elite level, there is local level, there is national, you know, international, everything. So you need to know so where you are. There is also uh, people who are gifted and some people are less, less gifted. It doesn't mean you don't have a margin of progression as a person. However, if I'm fast twitch muscle and I've got a fantastic spring without having tr trained myself, it's because I got this from my parents. And that's sometimes, even in the world of parkour, it looks like everyone is the same, but we are not. Leverage is not the same. You, you know that. Like Even like we do athletics, you do a hurdle. Why everyone's got the same hurdle? It's not fair because if the guy is like, is, is like one meters uh, 90 and, I'm, and then at some point, his benefit because of his biomechanic, the leverage is like, you know what I mean? And sometimes when it's, of course, they don't want to change all the rules, but when you think of it, it's, like, it's not fair <laughs> because it's a proper performance. If I'm smaller and I have to jump up the full moment when I don't touch the, I don't touch the air, the guy, if he's in contact with the floor, he wins to me. Does it make sense what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, absolutely. He, he, so for me, all these things, well, this is traditional sport, but for me, all this stuff has to be taken in consideration. Like, when it's raining, it's not the same when it's when it's sunny. Uh, you know, when it's windy, it's not the same. Some people's got art arthritis, arthritis, yes, just just because it's windy or a bit wet. You know, so you you know, and that means the body react to 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 the environment. All this stuff need to be, in my opinion, taken in consideration personally in your way how you do things, the way you connect, walking barefoot get in touch early morning oxygenation get like get the real like fresh air and everything all this stuff for me it's it's very important for me because this is the way i call it to replug replug with the with the environment and also it's, it helps also to focus so all this stuff for me it's uh, the stuff i put in my method yeah i i like that and and you'll be getting more fresh air now that there's no traffic in london but um the the fact that the, <laughs> the um the the idea about being in touch with your subtle symptoms and and how that moves not only daily um, throughout the day uh, across a week in, t in in context with the environment how much you've been working how much you've been recovering your nutrition your your uh, friendships how you're feeling and your mood uh, and how that will change over the course of your age yeah, absolutely, completely, 100%. Uh, I think so many athletes just feel as though if it's down on the program, I've got to do it. And if I don't complete the program as it was written down by somebody else, that means I'm probably a failure. Yeah, and I've got a, I've got a good example. Like when I was doing athletics, I trained like really hard. I was one of my friends, like it was just gifted. It just arrived. And it just like it was just like uh, doing the champ French championship, which I tried to make the French championship in long jump, and I literally really really hard for me to get this. But I trained, I had the dedication and everything, but it just made it. But for me, what was interesting is all this training and my improvement was very very tiny. And there is the day when I really break my record. It was amazing. It was, in my mood was really good. It was sunny. Uh, we went in Marseille and. Uh, I was kind of like in a, in my mindset, I was in a good mindset and I was healthy, like physically I was health, healthy and then I didn't try to, I was competing, but I didn't try too much. And that's where I did the best, the best performance I've ever done. And for me, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Sometimes it's not about like pushing, pushing, pushing. Sometimes it's just, like I say, it's just like riding the right wave, you know, like it's like, this is, it's, for me, it's, the body is like a, a switch uh, watch. It's, it has to calibrate. It has to be like, it's more like that. It's not just like pushing. And too much in these environments, like adrenaline, push, 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 push. It works for competition and stuff like that. As I say, there is a price to it. But in reality, it's more like, uh, sometimes I say it's more like a Ferrari or a, a, a horse. You know, like a... In French, we call it pur sang. 
I don't know if, how you call these horses, the special horse. Mm. What did you say? I don't know. I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that. My girlfriend. Let's just say it's called a special horse. <laughs> but yeah, you know, there is some horse, like someone knows, they say, okay, make sure in the morning he goes to the sand and he's got his grass at these special hours and make sure you watch his teeth. And then, it's like, it's, it's literally like, you know, it's, it, it can perform, but in order to perform well, what they say is that make sure it's got that plus that. It's completely different than the other horses, but this one, if you give this plus this plus this, and he's got his morning, I don't know, walk somewhere, you know it's gonna be, you, you multiply the chance for it, for it to perform. And that's how it's supposed to be. Like uh, I was talking last time about vitamin D and I just realized, oh my God, oh yeah, the sun. Like I knew about the sun because in my method I talk about the sun, but I realized with the color of my skin, uh, the sun is harder for me to collect stuff from the sun, from someone who's white, who's got, you know, you know that. And for me, so, oh, so when it's sunny, it's even more important for me when I'm not like in a, in a place like a, a third world country where it's more like in UK, for example, when it's raining and sometimes like it's gray. It's like, oh my God, I have to even more as, as soon as there is sun to get outside to get my my son because it gives me something. So you see all this stuff has to be taken in consideration and not taken lightly. And, uh, and sometimes we just do, we just, like, especially sometimes in parkour, we just perform. I do this jump, I did this jump, I do this jump. There is a good stuff on it, but there is a big aspect of the connection and the understanding of how your body is, as a vehicle is, is working, is functioning. We completely disconnected. And I try with my method to reconnect with that. That's how I do like on a daily basis every day. Okay. That's, that's really fascinating. So, so I call this the semi-final concept for it's most obvious for sprinters where often the fastest time at a major competition for the sprinters is during the semi-final. And then when it comes to the final, they're trying too hard. Um, and, and it doesn't help everybody who's watching because the commentators say everybody's physically the same. Now it comes down to who wants it most. And then you see people straining and going slower because they're less efficient. And so how does that connect then with the types of movements and the athleticism and that the creativity that you perform, but also against the backdrop of huge risk? So so you are you are long jumping, not into a sand pit. You know, what's the worst that can happen? That you might trip up and get some sand in your face on a long jump. But the risk of not making the jump, if you just, if you don't hit the board in inverted commas properly, then then you're going to hit a wall. So so how how do you get your head around the the risk of what you do, and and how do you build up your capability for that? Alors, uh, first of all, what is very important to understand now, the new generation now they're pushing the envelope further than we we pushed. What is important to know is when you do long jump, you do your full speed and you try to go as far as possible. When we did what we what we did, we were doing a jump we were capable of doing, and it wasn't our full. For for me, the longest jump I've ever done in seven meters ten as a long jump. Okay, that's that's yeah, wow. that's my that's my record. In terms of jumping abilities, we'll jump London and everything. The furthest I jump is probably three meters, 30, four meters. So there is a huge march of safety. So I can be focused on put my foot correctly. And if you see when I jump and run, you can see it's not full speed. I can run fast, but you can see it's more like a, a, a fast pace when you can literally control where you're going to put your foot. Why, why does the top athletes miss and stuff like that? Because they really try to, to go as far as possible and they run as fast as possible. I never did that. Never. Any jump I did, I never pushed the envelope that I was near my limit. I was pretty far from my limit. So it's impressive because sometimes there is also this illusion like if you see, for example, you jump like Cardiff. So you're at the bottom of Cardiff and you see me as a teeny tiny dot on top. So that's what makes the impression. But if you go on top with, if we go together on top of a roof and look at this, this is a teeny tiny jump. 
It's just the perspective make it big, okay? But for my athleticism and my performance, it's an easy jump to do. If, if, if you focus on what you're doing, if you're not doing to impress people, that's take time also to get to this point, because my generation is not a uh, Instagram generation. So none of the stuff we were doing, we did it for the purpose of selfie or to having likes. It didn't exist in my time. That's why we don't have so much video of what we were doing because we were doing for ourselves. That's a major difference than from, uh, from now on. Uh, the, the crane aspect, the only time I climbed a crane was for James Bond. Except that I've never been in a crane before. It never, it never happened, you know? So it's a completely different era. And alors, for my point of view, it's very simple. I never pushed the envelope. It was always kind of a calculated risk. It was always, uh, I can explain everything I did at, at the point I was doing it. Seb, you're going to jump that. Yeah, but I, I've done this jump. I've done this one. I've done that one. So for other people who's watching, it's like, oh my God. It's, it's almost like, you, do you know Sergei Bubka? Oh, Bubka, yeah. Legend yeah. pole vaulter. I, I suspect Sergei Bubka at the training probably jumped way higher than the world record. And he just decided, you know what, I'm going to monetize my... I'm going to monetize... Yeah, he record. did, yeah. One centimeter yeah. each time. Yeah, 16 times. So, for, <laughs> And if you're a good entertainer, you don't have to tell people. You just show like, oh, it's going to be hard. You just like concentrate and everything. And then you make it say, yes, you know what I mean? So it's an analogy. But for me, this is this is the way it is. It's just like... It's not the point to show everything. It's just like, man, for for the spectator, it's already amazing, but they don't know. They don't know the training we had. They don't know like the training was there and what we show is there. So for us, it's like, man, you know what I mean? Okay, that's really interesting. So a couple of couple of interesting concepts there about the the fact that you're backing yourself because of your training. Yeah. I've done this, I've done that. And, and so we call that self-efficacy, mm. where you, you, you're confident that you can do something because of what you've done, but it's also important that you recognize it. So, so that, that's critical to actually say, no, no, look, look at all my training. I can look back at all of that, and that demonstrates that I can take this next maybe small step up. So then another concept that you're talking about there is that you're within your limits. However... My challenge or my question to yeah. you is it's not the it's not the absolute performance, i.e. seven meters versus say four meters, yeah. but it's the precision also, because in long jump you can jump anywhere in the sample. Yeah. Whereas when you're jumping from a bollard to a bollard and and that's three feet off the ground, or yeah. if you're jumping from from one position to the next, you've got to land your foot yeah. in a particular position. How, how much are you um, being deliberate in in practicing that, or is that just a natural no, no, flow? No, no, no. It's definitely practicing. That's one of the attributes of parkour. Is what I call it footwork. It's like you know, in football you've got the touch. In tennis, you know, like they've got. It's not just like you hold a racket and that's it. There is so much technicality and the touch and the very like they can do stuff in terms of precision and high hand coordination, really, really high. If people are very interesting in sport, they can see. Say, oh wow, I didn't know about that. Same with Formula One. It's not just I'm driving the car. No, those guys got abilities just above just like press the, the pedal. It's like, it's, there is more stuff into it. In parkour, doesn't escape that. There is the same thing. We work at the, what we call the footwork. Uh, we don't, for us, having a, sh a pair of shoes is very important. We're not taking any shoes. It's like, almost like a gloves. So because there is a touch. So the precision and the footwork is very important in parkour. Beginners, no footwork, no touch. You can see straight away the way they land. This morning, for example, I was teaching and I was explaining the concept of scratch and tack. So if I explain, like I said to the, to the children, listen to the sound. When you jump, if you heard scratch, scratch, that's mean your landing is not correct. Each time you land, you need to hear tack, tack. I don't know if it makes sense. So for me, it's like, yeah, 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 it does. It a curve. Like I say, you need to sacrifice power this way for power up so you respect the curve. And it's purely technique. So the gravity brings you down, like it goes up. And if you got the touch plus the tack, and if you're able to land on bars and stuff like that, 
your level of precision is higher than normal people. It's like Diego Maradona with his touch with the football. is way higher than anyone who can get a ball. But that's why he can do stuff. I say, how did he do that? He can because it's, it's beyond what you can even imagine. And we've got this in many, many, many disciplines. You take piano. You see people who can do this with piano with practice. I can't, I can't play piano, but you can see the level what human being can do in terms of skills. It's exactly the same with parkour, but you need, you must practice. It doesn't come just like that. I had few kids who came with a, already a good touch. It's again, it's, it's gifted, it's coordination, get from whatever, but they still have to practice. When I used to work with the uh, long jumpers and uh, coaches like Aston Moore, world-famous long jump and triple jump coach, and, and he would close his eyes. Uh, when they, he, he listens to the approach, and he would be talking about ba-ba-ba-bam as it came, comes into the board, yeah. and, 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 it was, and you could see him coach that at the side of the track yeah. when, they're, when they're in competition. He would, be, he would be making the same noises and the same gestures. Yeah, yeah. That's the, again, like, you need, like, your body's like an instrument, you need to practice a lot to get your instruments well-tuned. You know when we talk about this? For me, it's all about that. It's like, no matter where you are, no matter what, how you've been gifted, everyone can well-tune the instrument they've been given, okay? And then uh, you talk about the aspect about pa 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 pam But all this stuff also is there is a lot of stuff with the mind. You know, like people who does bobsleigh or the skier, the Formula One. Stuff goes so quick that they don't have to think in the time. They need to memorize and feel it so the body just like uh, it goes into it. That, so you, you feel and you, you think more in terms of rhythm and, and, and sensory uh, stuff. So when it happened, it happened. You look at Zinedine Zidane, which is the one I, I watch the most in football. It's got that. My, my body can recognize that. Roger Federer, Zinedine Zidane, Michael Jordan. See, those people, I, I can't explain. But for me, when I lose it, He's got it. Uh, Mike Tyson also had that at a certain point with his way of uh, being elusive. It's something like they practice a lot, all of them a lot, but they reach a point, it goes above everyone else because they're not even thinking about it. They knew this is the thing. The, no, the body knew, recognized this is the things to do in order to do what to do, what to be done. It's crazy, but this is... This is what I love the most. It's almost, it's linked with music and dance. It's the same thing. It's like what they call the zone. There is a lot into that. And uh, so as you say, there is a training, a lot of training, and there is this quest. That's why when we talk about this, you know, I'm getting a bit philosophical mm. about this, but this is the quest of it. There is a quest of, oh my God, what is it to feel like? Almost like an animal, you know, the gibbon when they go like brachiation, you know, all this stuff. And you see a cheetah, you go like, you can, you can, if you if you look at it, you see there is momentum. There is there is power, but it's not power all the time. It's just at the right moment, at the right, at the perfect moment. And this is what, for me, I try to do when I express myself to the best, or like mainly also in summer and uh, and autumn. It's kind of like to get to almost like having a bath. You want to get into this. Oh yeah, I love this feeling. You're in it. You say, yes, that's the one. You know, and um, it's hard to explain. That's why in James Bond, I try to, because in my head, I know I'm not an actor. I'm not, uh, uh, for me, it was how do I leave a legacy? And all the idea for me, so I, I like uh, Philin. That's my, uh, that's my, 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 my master. The, to, as an analogy, the animal to, to portray what I want to portray is the Philin. That's why my expression as an actor for James Bond was to portray my character as a villain. That's almost like in martial art when you want to give uh, stuff, like if you want to see, if you want to look at it, look at this and you see how I move. This is close to the villain uh, uh, idea. Feline. Feline. Sorry. Feline. Oh, feline. Feline. Ah, so, uh, yeah, feline. so that was what... Thank you. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> so feline, I, I'll yes, ask sorry. you about James Bond because I suppose it's... It's orchestrated to a point, but but you're talking there about getting a level of mastery uh, that it's automatic. So we call that automaticity. So that you're in the moment and you, and it's flow. Do you do you ever have that then when you are discovering and exploring that you come back and you think I can't really remember 
where I went or what I did? Do you have that same sense of thinking like I might do if I'm driving the car and I get in the car and it's driven and I'm there and I've forgotten to actually do it, but I did it? For me, it's not the point I forgot. It's more it flows. You know, like let's say you have to, to throw a ball into a basket, you know, and you know, sometimes you, you, some people say, oh, you've been lucky, but sometimes all the, everything goes like was perfect and it goes into it like to like perfect, like almost like if you were a pro, you say, I don't know how I made that, you know, that's, that's literally what you try to reach because you know, this is, it was just perfect, you know? And, and we all reach this at a certain point. It can be anything. Sometimes something drops and you just catch it. So, whoa, 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 I catch it. You know this moment? You remember the moment, but when you did it, you didn't think much. It just happened. You just, and then you just, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's literally what happened and what you try to do when you practice, especially when we call the flow and we practice. You try to get to this point where everything is without... For me, I call it musicality. Is there is no hurt? There is no uh, uh, like it's a metronome. Everything is on point. Everything it goes. Everything flows. It's not like oh, I stop a little bit. Oh, wait. Oh no, it just goes. And so wow. So it doesn't happen all the time. But when it when it does happen, you feel like it's very bizarre sense. It's like um, I don't know how to explain that. You feel good. <laughs> so yeah, I, I call that. I call that the force from Star Wars. If a, ja- if a, ja- a jam jar drops out the cupboard and I catch it, and the kids, especially if the kids are watching, I just go Jedi. Um, and it's just demonstrating that I'm a Jedi because I've caught something out of the cupboard. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think we're all Jedi at some point. Yeah. Just, the only thing is we don't control very well the force. <laughs> no, it's only useful for catching stuff out of cupboards. So... And, and so how much were you uh, involved in designing and choreographing, if, if choreographing is the right word, the, the section in the Bond movie? And um, it was just such a highlight. I think it was Daniel Craig's first Bond movie, wasn't it? But it just such a punch, um, such a dramatic star and a, a massive star for that. But how much were you involved in designing that? I was involved a lot because people knew nothing about parkour and everything. So all they knew is, okay, this is point A and this is point B. This is where we're going to finish. So the stunt team knew, like, they will have a crane. They knew they will have a girder and all this stuff. They knew I will, at some point we have to climb up and, and go down. The, the whole idea of working all together is to figure out what we're going to do. So uh, we spend a lot of time practicing, exchanging ideas and stuff like that to, uh, to get to this point. And, yes, it was choreographed because also... As you can imagine, there is also the camera, camera angle, uh, what looks dramatic, what doesn't look dramatic, where to put it. Uh, there is a lot of stunt work involved, honest, no honest, you know, uh, so much. People have no idea, like uh, using a crane and the wind, calculated the wind and everything. There is helicopters coming at what time is coming. Like it's it's. It's a teamwork. Like people say, oh my God, your scene is amazing. But I always feel like for me, no, I was uh, one of the notes in the, in the symphony. It's just like, it's a, because people can't see because they see from the, from the, from the screen. But for me, when, you, when you're in it, it's like three, two, one, action. And everyone has a big choreography from the, from the people who are playing like the walkers and everything. Everyone, Daniel Craig was running and everything. The truck and the, it's, it's huge. <laughs> it's just huge. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. So you have to do your part very well. So you don't want to, to miss anything because otherwise it just, it's, it's, it's a lot because everyone has to work as a, as in sync to do, to make it work. The sound, sound effect, like, it's crazy. It's just crazy. It's like a and, amazing and experience. So did, did you have to rehearse it or practice it or so that it was down and really quite controlled version oh, of yeah. it? Or was it quite free in the moment? No, 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 no. It's definitely rehearsed. We, we knew, like you have free time to, to practice, to explore and everything. But once it's in the script, the one for us is this is what we're going to do. There is no time for exploration now. It's because, the you know, a movie is very precise. That's uh, many people would love to be in a movie, but I think being in a movie, it's about precision. It's like uh, you've got tape on the floor. Okay, you start from here. 
it's not just because of they want me to start from here. It's because the camera is here, the shot stop here, and it's finished there. So it's a lot about precision. You see, jump a little bit too high from this, you off the of the the frame and everything. So it's a lot of precision. So you must do your thing well, as well as the person who's trying to capture your speed and your expression. So all this stuff is require a lot of work, and uh, and that's that's the the bit sometimes people don't see. But uh, as I say, you've got a time to. To explore and have fun, and when it's time to do, it's that. That's why we call professional. It's like you do your you do your work. You cannot change. Sometimes the actors can change the line, you know, a little bit, but still they're very professional because they spoke so much with the director, so they know where the boundaries, so they know what is the aim of the character, what he has to say, what he has to convey, so they can a little bit get to the side. And basically, they give a little different flavor to the director. So when he does editing, he can choose. But it's not ju- it's not like I go off and I uh, like for example Bond is the is the good guy. Suddenly I change. I want him to be a bad guy. So no 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 no. We you cannot change that because there is a there is a main script. And and who's a harder taskmaster, Bond director or Madonna? What do you mean taskmaster? What does what does it mean? Taskmaster, uh, instructor, harder instructor. Uh, Bond, uh, for example, Daniel Craig was not was not a, a taskmaster because he was he was a performer as well as me. He was the main actor. He was the the person like who who carries the movie basically. And uh, and then you've got um, you've got the director. We had a two. You got second unique director, uh, first unique director. But to be honest, I think I was quite lucky because I know there is some director very hard. The director I had the chance to work with were very, they give me the freedom. You know what I mean? They learn, there is director or direct, do this, do that. They were more like, okay, uh, save you're ready. Okay, you're going to do that. Okay, you're ready. Three, two, one, action. And then when you do something, they go back to you and say, okay, uh, how about, could we do this? Could you? It's like, I felt like a loop of collaboration. I never really felt uh like tough, tough director. And trust me, I know that probably because my work ethic was really high, probably as high as themselves. Um, so they didn't require like, could you do it again? Oh no, I don't want to do it again. There is no such a thing like that because I'm, I'm, I was already a perfectionist. So when I look at the combo and I watch it, mm. so, uh, I wasn't already not satisfied. So when they say, Oh, could we do one more type? Seb? I say, yeah, of course, because I wanted to, you know what I mean? It never happened. Like we had a conflict. Uh, working with Madonna, which is a, like work colleague and a very super strong uh, work ethic, uh, it's the same. Uh, there was some point uh, later on when she complained because she was saying like, oh, you always complain because you're tired. But it's because I was tired. <laughs> so a long time ago, <laughs> she did apologize. Say, oh, Seb, I just realized the, the work you did. And uh, I have to, uh, uh, I was surprised. Like uh, we were in Paris. I came to see her uh, show, the second uh, tour she did. And in front of everyone, she, she did apologize. I was touched by that because she, she didn't have to because I didn't complain and say, yeah. But she realized the work I've done. And I think because for me, I finished three, mo- three months working on James Bond. And trust me, it was really tough. And then I did six months uh, with, uh, with Madonna. I was exhausted and I broke my rest. So I broke my rest uh, uh, on a on confession tour. So I had to do six months with a broken rest, with a ver- broken rest, and then and already a very difficult uh, performance to do. And uh, and so at some point, sometimes I have to say, come on, I need a bit of rest. And uh, but sometimes people don't see. Sometimes when you make it easy, people think it's easy. They don't understand like uh, what what I'm doing is a proper performance. So uh, yeah. So talking about that. Um, I would probably say. So you, you you had you had to you had to perform. Yeah. With a broken wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the confession tour, you see I've got a I've got a wrist burn. So nobody knew, but each time I was <laughs> like like going above my wrist wrist, I I can hear like uh, like the the bone cracking like or something like that. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I say like it makes you think about being more holistic and stuff like that. I say okay, I did it. I have no regret for that. I did it for because I believe what I wanted to do is uh, I give my word to Madonna. So so that's it. Uh, but um, but again, as I say, it's just like uh, now I change my my way of thinking. 
So, so now, what's what's your focus now? So you've you've brought this discipline into the world. You've you've created it. You've recreated it. You're reinventing it and adding this soulful, almost personal exploration aspect to it. What what's the next boundary for you? Uh, for me, it's like um, with my academy uh, to be a successful entrepreneur. <laughs> it may sound for people say so what, but that's that's what I wanted to do. Uh, performing is one thing, but for me, I, I, I want to feel like I'm successful as an entrepreneur and uh, also to convey the message to, uh, to the children, like the, p- the playfulness way. That's very important for me. And uh, very important for me is my method. It's like now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got my African method I need to put it in place and make sure uh, everything I learned from so many years, uh, I can transmit it, and I can also exchange with with uh, people. So I'm a public speaker, so I would like to do more public speaking when I can exchange and inspire, because this is what my life is about, it's to inspire people. And if I can give uh, uh, clues and keys, I'll be happy for that. Especially, like, uh, just to think about for an elite point of view, it's like I reached the highest level, uh, for performance and I think sometimes it's something I can share you know uh, at the top level uh, maybe for the for the youth uh, um, there is so many things I, I, I feel I can share so there is this uh, for uh, top top level but also now to the side of recovery injury and health I think is there is something people can learn from me uh, from uh, the injury I had how I recover mentally physically and and how I keep moving and how I stay motivated uh, at the age of forty six and still and still uh, uh, function. And so, can I just ask you about that aspect as you as you're getting older? Are you readjusting your own limitations or are you adapting your practice? How how are you coping with that aspect of it for yourself? I don't really readjust. I just do what I feel I can do. I don't know if it makes sense. It's just like, uh, as I said, there is a long time, a long time ago, I stopped like pushing what I call pushing the envelope. So now what I do is it's like a bird, a bird fly until it can't fly. So for me, I move until I can't move, but I'm, I'm, I free myself the, from the, from the, the idea of pushing, pushing myself. Even I did something called World Chase Tag. I don't know if you heard about World Chase Tag which is a competition where we play tag, basically. And uh, it's still really fast, really fast. But again, like, you can still uh, you can still control what you do. It's not to a point where you've got a very hard calendar and they say, man, this is a Champions League, you must do it. And then after now, your national team called you, so you must, you know, there's, we don't have that. So the body can still sustain that. But for me, uh, like, for example, World Chase Tag, I performed last time, but now I want to be, I'm more interested in the coaching side of it, how I can make my, my guys healthier, uh, high-level performance, uh, achieve the highest possible. And that's, I'm very interested as a coach to know how it works. So it sounds like you're creating uh, not just the, the physical aspect of it, the competitive aspect, but the mindfulness mm-hmm. and the 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 way of being it sounds like for you it's this is a life pursuit as opposed to it just being yeah. something you retire from doing oh oh yeah for me this is all my life now i know for sure there is nothing there is nothing to reach i'm already in it it's just like for me this is the journey and uh this is something i completely under, understand and i'm living yeah it is it is my life this is what i'm doing that's amazing. So, so you're now taking on uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi aspect of the Force, and and <laughs> you're developing the responsibility for showing other people the way. Yeah, absolutely. I like the analogy with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Sebastian, it's just been amazing to listen to to you as a, a true innovator and and somebody who's created something from just basically nothing, but also pushing your mind and body. And, and so many so many aspects of performance are devoid of philosophy, but it sounds like you have that philosophy and that spiritual practice underpinning everything you do. So it's been amazing to connect with you. Thank you so much. My real pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to follow Sebastian, you can do so on Twitter at Sebastian Foucault 
or have a look at his website, fucon.com. You can follow us on Twitter at support underscore champs or me at Ingham underscore Steve. Check out our LinkedIn company page for the latest updates and snippets from all of the podcasts and latest updates. And if you're also looking for some coaching support or some virtual team development to help support you go to the next level in work and life, then have a look at supportingchampions.co.uk forward slash coaching hyphen mentoring. Or maybe just drop us a note at inquiries at supportingchampions.co.uk and you can sign up for a free consultation to explore which package might be right for you.